return of the midweeks. Happy Monday, my friends. I'm so glad that you're here with me. We're cruising through Samuel again. This is our, uh, I think, 11th time in the book of Samuel, and we're in chapter 10, starting at verse 17. And this is when Saul is going to be presented to Israel as their king. Remember, they they asked for a king, and even though it wasn't a good asking, and the Lord was upset, Samuel's upset, God has heard their voice and is coming through for them. And so this is the big presentation party. Last time, Saul went home after experiencing many fulfilled prophecies and even having the Spirit of God descend on him and turn him into a prophet for a moment. Then he went home, and now Samuel's going to gather the people together for the big reveal party for Samuel, and we're going to see how the people respond. Now remember, this book of Samuel is about the formation of the kingdom and the birth of the kingdom, so we're in these early birthing days. It's also about the lives of the early kings, and so this is the first King Saul, and we're seeing both his faith and his unbelief uh, being mixed together, being revealed together. We're also seeing um, characters studies of faith and unbelief and so we're going to see faith and unbelief in the people in this story as well and we're going to and we're just watching how God is working amongst his people to fulfill his kingdom um, he prophesied that there would be a king through Hannah at the beginning and then as it came about it was coming about in not a great way but God's going to redeem it and bring about a king after his own heart who's going to be the father of the ultimate king the Lord Jesus Christ who came to be the true king of Israel But today, starting in verse 17 of chapter 10, Saul's big party. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up, Israel, out, sorry, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you've rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you've said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So interesting kind of rebuke summons where he says, you've rejected God who saves you from your calamities and distresses by inviting him to come here. That's kind of an amazing thing to say, but he's gathering together to see their king and he's rebuking them, but also summoning them. How would you feel if that was the invitation you got? Verse 20, Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Okay, so they're going to go through this Lot process where, I don't know exactly how they would do it. Would they Sometimes um, they would have like a bunch of stones that had like yes and no on one side or the other, and they would cast those together. And whatever, if it had more yeses, that was God saying yes. It hadn't more noes, that was God saying no. This might be like drawing straws or something like that. They're not particularly clear on exactly how they did it. But that they did it. They're depending on God to speak through the randomness of lots or taking choices or taking taking lots or rolling dice kind of thing. And he brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was, Kish was taken by Lot. So this is like the third time through that they finally identify Saul. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Uh Uh-oh. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself amongst the baggage. So this is an amazing little moment here. God 
brings forth Saul as the person who is going to be king. He chooses him supernaturally by God-directed, providentially-directed lot. But even as they reveal him, he's not there. And so they say, okay, is there another one? <laughs> is there another Saul, son of Gish? Is there, like, once you've gotten to this one person, who else can you draw a lot with? So they're confused. And so the Lord speaks, not clear exactly how, maybe talking to Samuel. He says, behold, he's hidden himself amongst the baggage. So this is a really weird thing for your future king to have done, that the king is avoiding this public reveal. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood amongst the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So the Bible likes to play with uh, play on words and double meaning sometimes. And so it's interesting when Saul is revealed, he's he's huge. He's Israel's giant. He's taller than all the people. And so Samuel says, do you see him who he's chosen? There's none like him amongst all the people. And there's a bit, maybe a bit of a double play here. Number one, he's taller than everybody, but at the same time, he was the only one hiding amongst the baggage. So there's this double play here because everybody else was present for the lot drawing except for Saul. And so that's how Saul is different, that he's taller, but he's different that he was hiding as well. Anyhow, the people in general say, long live the king. Excuse me. Verse 25. Then Samuel told the people the rights and the duties of the kingship. And he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. So that verse there. Sorry. And then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. So that uh, verse there would remind us of Moses writing the Ten Commandments and the covenant of the people before the people that God drew together, that they made a covenant together, they wrote it down on the tablets or in a book, and they made this covenant um, between God and the people. And now we have an echo of that where God is making a covenant between the king and the people. And remember, this started off by saying that God's been rejected as king. Now you've got this other one. So they're making a covenant between the king and the people. What are the rights and duties of the kingship? Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. Okay, so right away we see grace and faith and unbelief all in action here. I think Saul's hiding from uh, the election by Lot was a fairly significant act of unbelief, especially what he's just been through, that Samuel had given him all these prophecies confirming God's call in his life. The fact that he was hiding amongst the baggage is unbelief. He should have been up there kind of waiting for the lots to reveal him because he already knew from all the stuff that happened to him already that God had chosen him. So there's some unbelief there. You also see the people seeing his physical appearance and rejoicing in how big he is, but um, that what we're going to learn later is that judging by what you can see isn't good because God humbles the proud but gives grace, sorry, he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And being excited about how big somebody is could just be a pride thing. Yay for us, we've got the biggest guy. Um, kind of like the Philistines with Goliath later on. But are they necessarily seeing this through the eyes of faith? And I would say they aren't. Even though, in one sense, by receiving Saul as God's king, by believing that the lot has taken him and presented him as the king, that's also faith. So there's a mixture here, just like your life and just like my life. It's a mixture of faith and unbelief together. 
Then you also have, in verse 26, these men of valor, so these warriors, these people who want to fight, their hearts being touched by God and them following after Saul. Now this is faith. This is them realizing that this is the king and them wanting to fight for the king and wanting to fight for Israel. And so their hearts are touched and they're responding to God's leading in their life by following after Saul. And this is a good thing. This And these men probably become his bodyguard, um, his inner circle, the initial ones who want to be with him. And it kind of reminds you of Jesus getting his disciples um, just a little bit, not all the way. But in verse 27, rumblings of trouble, there are some worthless fellows who say, how can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present. Now, do you remember when Saul was going to visit Samuel? His concern was not having a present. He thought, if we're going to go ask the prophet for something, we should come and bring him some kind of present. We should show him honor, that he's great. He's chosen by God. And so here are these people. They look at Saul. And again, they judge by what they can see. How can this guy save us? They don't believe that God's in it or behind it. And so unlike these men whose hearts God had touched, these are people who are looking at the flesh and they despise him and bring him no present. And Saul holds his peace, which is really good. This is a great moment for Saul that he is just dishonored in his early days of kingship and he doesn't respond with um, violence and self-centeredness right off the bat now. This is going to contrast with later on in life when he's really threatened by David, that he's going to be very concerned about himself and feeling despised. But at this moment, in his early days, this is a good moment for Saul that these worthless men despise him and he holds his peace and he doesn't say anything about it. All right, so that's Saul's big party. He's definitely established as the king by prophecy and by the sovereignty of God and the fulfillment of prophecy by the taking of Lot and a present a public presentation. He's revealed to be a king, and the people begin, begin to receive him. The people shout, long live the king. Certain men join themselves to him. So this is a good moment for Saul, a high moment for Saul, and we're going to see him actually do a victory next time when we get together when he fights Nahash the Ammonite. But until then, um, what's the encouragement for us? The encouragement for us is to believe what God is doing in our life. For us, we're not called to be kings, but we are, all of us, called to be children of God, bought by the gospel, and believing what God has said about us by the gospel. And you can see, even in our hearts, we're often slow to believe all that God has said about us and to us. And you can see what, what happens in Saul when he's slow to believe. He hides, he dodges, um, he's not fully embracing by faith that God is with him. And so the encouragement for us is to believe by faith that God is with us, to lay hold of what he said about us, and to humbly accept what God has said. Pride is the rejection of God's word. And so even though Saul is hiding amongst the baggage, it could look like he's being humble. He's actually being proud because he knows by now that he is chosen, both by prophecy and by lot. He should be right there saying, it's true, I agree with God, but the hiding is pride. And so let's humble ourselves and believe what God says about us and then act in faith from there. Amen. Amen. Amen.